Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Hello and welcome to the Inspired Table podcast. In this week's episode, I catch up with Guy Lawrence, co-owner of superfood company 180 Nutrition, and finally, my first male guest on the show. I first met Guy about three or four years ago when we were both training at the same CrossFit box, which was definitely my former life, and I used to make Bliss Balls using his delicious 180 Nutrition Powder, and this was before Bliss Balls were a thing. This episode is so much more than just a recount of his successful health business. In fact, it's a story he hasn't shared in a forum like this before. We discuss everything from how losing his girlfriend, being hit by a car and drowning in debt all at the same time was the catalyst for a life change, to how his experience with the psychedelic drug ayahuasca changed the way he looks at fear. Guy recounts his experience with a charity that helped cancer patients with their recovery by trialing groundbreaking methods of nutrition and strength training and how this formed the basis for his now successful superfood business. We explore his own journey with personal development and how he managed to incorporate mindfulness into his life through much resistance. I love how open and honest Guy was in this interview, and I hope you take away the same value from it that I have. Enjoy. So, in a nutshell, I always I always tell people this, like, two definitive chapters in my life to this point so far. And, and one was um, when I arrived at Australia at 30 years old. And there was one prior to that. And one prior to that was, was me like a, a traveling nomad, a lost soul that was just trying to figure out what the hell to do with my life, ultimately, you know? And I'll never forget, I think, you know, I never went to school much. Once 12, 13, 14, I was very rebellious. Didn't understand all that. And, you know, I, I left school and my mum was like, you know, you, you got to get a job, you got to do something. And we were in a recession in Wales at the time. So I actually applied for a government scheme and became a plumber. Now, I didn't even know what a plumber was. So, <laughs> so I had absolutely no direction and I started it. And then I think by the age of 16, I was being paid like £30 a week on this government scheme. I was rolling around in lofts in people's houses, doing things I didn't understand. And 
it just didn't make sense to me. I'm like, what the hell is this about, you know? And everyone's like, guy, you've got to get a trade, you've got to get work, you've got to get money, you're going to be set for life. You know, do it, you're very lucky. Mm. And, this, and I was, you know, where I grew up in South Wales was a very working class place. And anyway, so, so and I'll never forget it, like about two weeks into this, this kind of journey, my auntie had come down to visit for the weekend from London. And I came home and I was like covered in bloody loft, lining you know they put up there and I cups and solvent all over me all this stuff and and, and she's like just think guy you get to do this for the rest of your life <laughs> and and like, I was what? mortified yeah. and that was the best thing she could have said to me at that point and I was terrified I, I thought oh my god what is up with this world because I didn't even get it at school you know I, rem I remember walking into a bank one day not long after school and I had to write a check and I didn't have a clue and I was like you know there's these practical things that you've never been taught yeah. and it was just a strange old world so so but I had the the sense to stick by it uh to to finish out my trade and at the time wills I don't know if people know much about wills but rugby is their religion essentially followed by alcohol not far behind it and um so I just grew up in this rugby playing alcohol guzzling hard work in life and 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 I just didn't want any of it and I, I but I didn't have the belief I could change I didn't know I felt trapped and then when I finished my apprenticeship I just left I think within a week I quit my rugby I was a good rugby player as well at the time my girlfriend of three years my job and just hightailed it out of there yeah. and uh and I went straight to London and then realized that I was even more deeper in because that wasn't the answer either and then I pretty much came to Australia as a backpacker not long after and then for the next 10 years had no belief that I could actually do what I loved, follow my heart and actually make something of it and just kind of live this life of avoidance. And know? at this point, did you have any idea what it was you were looking for? Um, no, I was always passionate about fitness and health and kind of got involved, but there was like a deeper yearning inside of me at the time. So it kind of overruled everything because I found I only knew how to make money through using my hands, you know, and I just got this part and I was completely lost. And, and I'll never, and I remember just applying for my residency right before the cutoff point of 30 years old. And fortunately, my skills got me across the line to become a resident. And I just took off for a year. I was in the Himalayas, I was traveling through Asia, and I was just waiting to see if I got my residency or not. And then um, and then I kind of, when I was in Sydney, I actually got residency and I, I was like, wow. And I remember flying home and thinking, do I go, do I not go, what do I do? I still had no answers, but it was kind of like a clean slate for me, so I just, just decided to do it and, and use it to, I guess, try and settle down because I, you know, there was some, there was sometimes I'd lived in five cities in one year, you know, I, I was constantly um, having not many quality friends because I was moving around so much and just couldn't, couldn't figure it out. And it was actually getting really on top of me. It was quite depressing. to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, and then I had my residency. I got to Australia at 30 years old so that was what 11 years ago I'm 41 now and yeah I, the first thing I thought right I, I'll never forget actually I, I was sitting around with some some good friends like my family actually they, they put me up on this sort of fold out bed while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with myself 
And there was a Tony Robbins um, course been sitting on this shelf for two years. It was hilarious. And it was called Unlimited Power 2. I'll never forget it. And, you know, I'm trying to find for And anyway, this conversation came up one night. I said, let's stick it on. And, you know, I was so ripe for it. We did, it was one month, five days a week. You know, you'd, you'd sit down. We sat down every night and listened to one episode of his course wow. over a 30-day period. And I had a journal. And I just started having these epiphany and aha moments about where I was starting to go wrong. And and that was like the catalyst for me to change, essentially. And it was it was actually huge, huge for me. Because I think I was just so, so ripe for the picking. I, yeah. I just sort of devoured it. But then from that, I actually got myself even more messed. Because I, um, you know, I had it in my head that I was to become financially free and then go and do what I love. <laughs> which sounds crazy now but it, that was the way I was doing so I got involved in sort of more getting involved in wealth seminars I learned how to trade stock trade and I was trading from home and then I had this kind of idea that I can trade from home and make a living and then work in the fitness industry at the same time for the enjoyment side of things yeah. make my money trading free up my time and then figure out how I want to help others because that was always within me and then I, I just made a complete mess of it and I leveraged money and, and over a two or three year period I think I racked up God, like 25 grand worth of debt and I, <laughs> I, my visa card was maxed. I had no out and I put every single ounce of my energy into this thinking I could make it work, you know. And the reality was it, it wasn't working and the whole time um, I was loving the, the health industry. But I just hadn't added up at that point. And then I think the, I always, I always say like the universe was a catalyst. It almost like kept nudging me until I get to a point I wasn't listening. And then it sort of smacked me across the euro. <laughs> it and does that. A chain, it does that very well. There was a yeah. chain of events that happened that kind of then readjusted my approach. Because I, I was kind of believing my own story at the time as well. You know, I was starting to feel sorry for myself. And, you know, you can have this kind of self-talk that was going on. And uh, it can be quite tough, you know. But uh, so that was that point. I might as well go into what happened with the. Um, so so here I was working at the um, UTS Fitness Centre in Sydney, and it was it was just an amazing place. It was like a village of really cool people, from lecturers to, you know, the uni students coming in, and and I was working in there. I was working with some amazing athletes as well, and and just loving the process. But I created all this kind of. Um, debt and, and I just I just couldn't figure it out what to do and I, the one thing I realized is that I had to step away from trading because I was up to like three in the morning sometimes yeah, you wow. know? and then getting up but then going into like a 6 a.m. start <laughs> it just wasn't the right thing to do because I, I just believed in it and I didn't know any other answers so I was determined to do anything and then when I got to this point I think you know my girlfriend at the time was was had a had a jack of me um, like I, I literally had no money I was literally just paying enough to pay the rent and feed myself. I had a push bike. I was cycling back and forth to the city five days a week because everything I had was invested into the trade and then it was going backwards. So I was like living on minimum to then put all my time into this, you know? So I kind of was living as raw as possible. And, um, and it was just mounting and mounting and mounting. And then one day I was on my push bike and I got T-barred by a car on a Saturday, Saturday morning, no one around, 
nothing. And this this old lady just didn't see me at a roundabout. It was my right away and just sort of plowed straight through me on my pushy. <laughs> and I remember mounting the screen and being carried about 15 meters up the road and come rolling off. And I was like, oh my God, what, what the hell's going on? She was screaming hysterically, but she turned out she was uh, she was okay. But I ended up comforting her and I was just really bruised <laughs> up and, and shooken up. And, 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 and then two days later, she rang me to ring about the insurance and by this point, my girlfriend at the time had basically ditched me literally about a week before, right? Because she'd had a gut fall. So like, you, you know, you, you, when are you ever going to change? You're doing this thing. It's clearly not working. I need a life, and, and rightly so. And um, the woman rang me up, and it turned out my girlfriend at the time was her personal trainer. The woman's personal trainer? Yeah, so so my my girlfriend was a personal trainer, and she'd be training the client on the regular basis that ran me over. Oh my god! <laughs> and I thought, what? <laughs> and then and then she found out, obviously, like the next day, rang me, and then like, are you okay? And then decided to tell me she'd been on, cheating on me as well for the last couple couple oh my of months. Goodness. And I thought, wow, your timing's amazing, and and uh, kind of it all kind of imploded, and I, you know it. it when it's real to you it's very real you know there's different scales of it but for me at the time it was just it was just a mess and I th and and it was yeah it was just awful actually and then um at the same time a mate of mine who lived up in uh, uh northern new south wales had been getting in touch with me and telling me guy you got to check out this charity that are helping people with cancer. And now I've been sitting on the back of my mind all this time for about three months. But I'm like, you know, I don't know anyone with cancer. What's that going to do with me? That's the medical realm. That's, you know, I, I work in the fitness industry, you know, and, and I was doing a good job of it. But but he kept persisting. And then he, and then after all this, he kind of reinforced it. And he's like, well, look, they're, they're helping people with weight training, which was what I was fascinated with, and nutrition, which was what also what I was fascinated with. So, for some reason, and I still wonder about this to this day, I rang them up because I, I just got to this point and, and I was intrigued. So, it was like the first time I actually followed my heart on something properly and actually listened to my intuition. And I rang them up and I had a conversation and they invited me up there and for a weekend. So, this must be, yeah, at least seven, eight years ago, something like that. And, and yeah, I flew up. And the next thing I know, I was in this environment of 30 or 40 people over a weekend that all had different forms of cancer. There was a couple of professional practitioners in there. And then there was myself just there out of absolute curiosity. You know, and the first person I sat next to, Kelly, who I'm still a friend with today, she, um, she had a four-inch brain tumor. And she was younger than me at the time. You know, she's like, I think, 33 or 34. And I, th I was like, oh, my God, this is so real. This is all happening. And there were multiple cases. And then it just put everything in perspective instantly. You know, I actually didn't have any problems, any worries, nothing. You know, when you compare to where these people were at. And it was, yeah, it was, that was probably the, the defining moment at my time, at my life, you know. and um, But then, interestingly enough, what they were saying was, nothing I'd been taught or explained, you know, you know, you can fast forward to today, right? And you've got obviously the, 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 the quitting of the sugar message. We've got, you know, paleo, we've got tons of podcasts. We've got access to internet information. It's bombarding us. The media get hold of it and spin it around to whatever it is. But at the time, you know, here I was working in a state of the art 
fitness center university you know i've been been going to uh, lectures every single week but nobody was teaching me the things or mentioning the things that they were talking about at the time and i was just blown away mm. and and you know kelly was given three months to live and when i met her she was 12 months into the program and she's still here today and i believe that she's still here today because of that charity at the time and you just think what the hell's going on and uh, you know and it wasn't always like that there was heavy cases and there were people that weren't successful i don't want to paint a, a rosy picture for anyone here but at the time they were talking about you know you got to remove your sugar from your diet you got to remove the processed foods from your diet mm. you've got to eat more off the land naturally as wholesome as possible um you've got to you've got to exercise you've got to fix your mental attitude towards life and they were Tying around with uh, not well, not tying. They were implicating on some of the the more serious cases of cancer patients. Uh, a ketogenic diet. Now, I'm not sure if people are familiar with a ketogenic diet here, but essentially, that's um, you lower the carbohydrate tolerance enough, you increase the fat content, and then you produce ketones. But that was a strategic implement for cancer patients, for people in crisis. It wasn't like we should all be ketogenic tomorrow. You know, it's, it, it's not that case, but it was implemented. And I, I, I hadn't even heard of that at the time, you know, and I was thinking, crikey, what's going on? And so I was starting to see the results. I was starting to learn that saturated fat isn't going to give you a heart attack. You know, they were being monitored by doctors for the, at the same time. And, you know, their results were, and markers were improving over time as they were on the course. And, and, I, and I thought, wow, you got to get this message out. Mm. You have to. And I, but I remember coming back, you know, because I, I ended up sort of going up and down for about six months, getting involved and learning more. And nobody would listen <laughs> or didn't want to listen. And that was another valuable lesson, right? Like the moment I said, guys, you, you know, you, sh you should really consider pulling sugar out of your diet a bit more and actually changing <laughs> changing the way you eat and incorporating a little bit of weight training and, and doing these things. And it was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And, no, and, and when I touched on what I was seeing with the cancer patients, it was like, oh my God, were you in some cult or something? Like it's, it was crazy. And, it, and, and I realized then I had to be the change that I wanted to see in others if yeah. I really wanted to make a difference. It's amazing. So, it's amazing how far we've come in seven years though, isn't it? I mean, for huge. that sort of stuff to be groundbreaking back then, and yeah. now, you know, the health and wellness industry has grown so much that it's almost part of our everyday vernacular, you know, no sugar, no processed foods, high fats. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. But it's still confusing, you know, and, and I and I still and I say to people now, you know, myself and Stewie, who's, you know, the other half of 180 Nutrition, which I can happy talk about in a sec, but you know, we are fortunate, like we've got a brand that's grown. We can get in front of people that people wouldn't normally have access to. I can spend 90 minutes on Skype with some incredible thought leaders around the world. You know, we're constantly involved in it, and yet we can still get confused. Like, what the hell's going on? You know, even the, the leaders can still debate and argue about this. So if you're outside of this world and just trying to, you know, make it through the week, the, you know, with your job that's outside of health and nutrition, it can be seriously overwhelming for people. And I, I always got to remind myself that as well while, um, while we do this because it's, yeah, it's kind of, but you're right, it's come a long way mm. for sure. And I think that, I think you're right in when you say that it's overwhelming because it becomes quite crippling for people and they'd rather just do nothing than try and decipher all the messages out there. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, and that's what we are priding ourselves on. You know, we our, our message is literally to bring bring wellness to millions in the simplest way possible by creating great information, putting it out there, and then providing the tools to help people do that. Yeah, yeah. beautiful. But it is one step at a time. You know, it, it's it's a journey. It's a it's a lifelong thing. You, there's there's no silver bullet. You know, it's funny we had uh, Dr. John D. Martini on a podcast last week. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, yeah, those looking for a silver bullet usually get shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That's great. Yeah. Um, so this is probably a good time to talk about 180 Nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell yeah, sure. About so it? look, I mean, if I was to do an elevator pitch, it's it's like, it's exactly like, you know, we're, we're online health and wellness company. I co-founded it with Stu. You know, there's two of us that started this thing six and a half years ago, I think it is now. And uh, our job is to, yeah, bring this easy, digestible information, filter it from the kind of the geek speak, if you like, into into everyday language. We do that th- through the podcast. I think, you know, we've certainly gotten better at podcasting over the years. And, and then we provide a range of uh, superfood products that I look at, like the tools to help assist people eat more healthily, essentially. You know, we have a newsletter with articles that go out in the week. So that's where we're at now. Um, we've kind of grown, morphed into this thing way beyond I ever imagined when I started, I can tell you. You know, it's it's just been an incredible journey so far. So that would be the elevator pitch. Um, but taking it back, what happened was when we were working well, with, with the people with the cancer patients, because I was writing weight training programs uh, for them to help assist them, the first thing they'd be like, well, what do we eat? You know, you tell me to remove all these things. And we still see that to this day, right? When people go to the change, they well, I can't have my toast in the morning. You need, I need to eat something more nourishing. Like this, this mass <laughs> panic, if you like. Mm. And one of the things that they, they were doing at the time was kind of just getting raw, natural ingredients and kind of grinding it all together and making like a, a muesli or a pulp and and putting it, uh, then saying, look, have this instead. It's much more nutrient rich, you know, because most people eat empty calories. You know, they're starving themselves in overabundance of food, literally. And then it kind of started going from there. And I, and I was bringing this information back into my world, which was you know, the complete opposite. I was working with athletes even trying to get in the Olympics, you know. It was just a different thing. But I was learning this, like, wow, how can we bring this into the, the, the fitness arena and actually get people to eat more unprocessed real food, get away from the, the kind of uh, protein shakes that were going on with all the chemicals, fillers and aspartame and all sorts going in there. And because, you know, at the time, I, 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 it highlighted to me how unhealthy the fitness industry was, I felt. You know, it's not a health industry, it's a fitness industry and mm. health is kind of a byproduct. <laughs> Nobody really cares about their health, they just yeah. want to look good yeah. and they'll do anything to do it, which is which is insane, really, when you think about it. So, so and that's how 180 Nutrition was born. It's like I really wanted to bring this message into the, the fitness industry but create more of a wellness industry because I, I felt at the time it was like you got your hippies that would, you know, drinks. God knows what and do things that was really kind of oh that's in the woo realm and then you got the other realm which is the fitness industry and I was like well how can we sit in the middle of this and try and bring people together and actually look at what is going on in their plate every day and that was the core concept because I saw what they were doing with these and then I wanted to bring this product into the that industry and we looked at increasing the protein a little bit and I got got chatting to a naturopath and and started from there, but then even then, I had about a year of being completely 
in the wilderness because I had no business skills, I had no internet skills, I had no idea how to do this. I was just driven by passionate, like I'd made up my mind once I saw, once I'd, once I'd, once I'd physically worked with people that had actually, you know, passed or died on me, like you, you, you kind of, you, I don't know, you don't care, I'd, I'd hit rock bottom and I was, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to make this happen. And then passion became my, my fuel, if you like. And then I stopped caring about the other stuff. Everything just started to drop away. And the moment that happened, synchronicities and doors opened for me, like you cannot believe. And I listened to that all the way to this day, really. So I was a year in the wilderness trying to figure out how to even get distributorship for this, how to make a product. Because remember, I had debt. I couldn't actually, um, I couldn't even actually afford to get distributorship or, or anything, you know. So I kind of hustled my way through, and then started uh, selling it uh, at the UTS in the gym. It had no label, no. It was just in plain bags, and I'm, I, I borrowed more money to do it, which was a big risk. But I was like. You know, I'm going to shift this product, and, and I did, and uh, and it proved that I was right. It was working, and it was and it was making a difference, and it went kind of viral in the university there. I thought, wow, we could go somewhere with this, and then, but I still had no website, still no marketing, no branding, no idea, nothing. And then I met Stu, who's my business partner, and uh, was the other half of 180, and he had all the skills I didn't, so. And it was like a match made in heaven, basically. And he was ready for change as well at the time. And we got chatting away. And, and then um, I think literally after we shook hands and decided to, to work in this together, about two weeks later, 180 Nutrition was born. Fantastic. And it kind of went from there. Yeah. So that's where, that's 180 Nutrition, really. <laughs> Wow. And I mean, you said in your elevator pitch, you've got the podcast, you've got the blog, you've got recipes up now, and you've got the superfood powder, uh, powders. So yeah. it's, you've kind of built this community in a sense. 100%. 100%. The, the, the one, like, I, I believe in the law of reciprocity. You know, I think the more you give, the more you get back, you know, on so many levels. And, you know, it's funny because eh? when, when, when I started, you know, I, I kind of, just got to this point anyway where I, I literally didn't give a shit anymore about you know what what if I had a car or not if you know I was earning X amount a week or not just to you know almost keep up with the Joneses kind of thing like all that was gone and I was loving life I was living by Coogee I could jump in the ocean every morning I was free I'd cycle to the city and all that was there and it was just um, it was just magic you know and then all we did was focus on how can we get this message out? And the rest took care of itself. And and you know, and I see so many businesses make that mistake. They're like, they just focus on what's the turnover, what's the revenue, how much money can we make from it, and maybe put something, you know, put a bit of a message out to the world at the same time. Where we 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 just had it, I think, just right, and that's why it's kind of worked and got to where we are. I mean, we've just launched in the USA. We're a couple of weeks behind. On Dubai is looking like it's going to happen as well. Uh, UK is looking like it's going to happen. And, you know, these things just blow my mind. They really do. And it's like, well, how far can we take it? You just kind of keep focusing on the end message, really. And then the rest will kind of take care of itself. I don't, I don't worry about it too much. And I guess, I guess the other byproduct of building this brand is the... Um, personal development that you've opened yourself up to yes 
Yes, it's been huge. You know, and, and personal development actually started all the way back from trading the stock market because that was indiscriminate. It didn't care what you thought, what you felt, how if you deserved it or not. It just gave you what you were capable of almost in a way and it was one of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn. And I think I was meant to go through that to then appreciate detachment from outcome because the moment you can do that, I think is the moment the magic really starts to happen. And that was probably the first lesson for me uh, at that point. And then I guess fortunately for podcasting, it's allowed me to start investigating other ideas, what people are doing. And even now I have more time on my hands because, you know, we're in a position now where we've got inertia, 180 is doing well. So it kind of frees up these things and I just, I'm just constantly trying to evolve. I think curiosity is one of the greatest gifts anyone can have. And, and I think, you know, it's, you're kind of wasting opportunity in life not to at least get curious about things and try different things and, and evolve. Because, you know, as long, I, I remember Anthony Robbins saying something once about if you're not growing, you're dying. And I truly believe that. So, so from a self-development perspective, that was the, the, the biggest thing. And then I started um, following my intuition more. I really, I read the book. Have you ever read the book called The Alchemist? Oh, I love The Alchemist. <laughs> it's beautiful, it's one right? One of my favorite books. <laughs> yeah, same. That, that book had a huge impact on me, huge. Yeah. I think because I was going through all the change and I read it and it was like, oh my God, you're talking my language. So, so I, I literally started practicing faith almost and treating it like a muscle mm. it's okay okay i'm gonna put myself in a situation today now that might scare me but let's see if it works out let's see what happens and is it as big a deal as my mind is making it out to be right and and it's never let me down once which which is amazing so it's like wow if i can if i could do that what else can i do you know and and then you start listening more to intuitive things. I'll give you a great example, right? I was, um, and that's a, another thing for anyone who's got businesses out there. I think if you can listen to that little bit of an inner voice moving forward and actually act upon it though, and do it and not be worried about the consequences, if it feels right, then just follow through. And and I, I think that's, that's been a huge kind of, uh, mantra with us and that's why 180's grown like I remember stumbling yeah, have you heard of Kieran Rooney he's um, I think he's done a little yeah yeah biochemistry yeah. Rooney right? I remember stumbling across Kieran somewhere on the internet I had no idea right no idea and I, and I saw his Twitter handle and it said interested in the relationship between sugar and, and cancer patients on his and I thought wow I've got to reach out this guy where is he and 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 I thought it. The thought came in. Now the old me would have gone, Ah, what do you want to go and talk to a biochemist for? He's not gonna have the time. He's not gonna to want to talk to a guy that just owns a, a superfood company. You know, there's all this kind of stuff that can go through your mind. But the flip side was like me. Ah, oh, reach out. You never know. You never know the possibilities of what could happen. So I hunted around the internet, found his email. It turns out he was lecturing in Randwick. You know, I was living in Maruba at the time, so we were close. And I just emailed him and said, mate, this is a really random email, but I would love to meet you for a coffee because of what you said there. And this was my past. And Kieran is just the nicest guy. And, you know, he got back to me and said, yeah, sure, why not? So then we went and met for coffee. And then we were chatting away. And, and I was like, I still had no agenda, just but literally just to meet him. I didn't know anything about the guy, but it just felt right. And 
next thing we're chatting away, chatting away, chatting away. And I said, oh yeah, I, you know, I did this talk down in Tasmania and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh my God, I'm running the low carb event here in Sydney in, in a month. Do you want a slot? I'm like, really? You sure? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love, love, love the audience to get to hear your story. And then the next thing I know, I'm, I'm speaking, you know, to a full house with, I said Sarah Wilson was there, I was alongside Sarah, I was alongside uh, Dr. Peter Bruckner, uh, Dr. Stephen Finney, low-carb guy, uh, Marianne Damasi from the ABC, scientific journalist, Kira, you know, it was just amazing. And the next thing I know, I'm in this environment next to all these people, and I, I still kind of pinching myself how it actually ended up. And it was all because I listened to that little inner voice mm -hmm. right at the beginning. And I think, how can I do that every day? You know, so if these things come, and you know, half the time it could be a dead end, it could be nothing, it could be anything, but it's like, there's the curiosity, that's where you explore, there's the adventure, and roll with it, you know? And I was terrified before I got and speak next to all these guys. These guys have got qualifications coming up their arse, like I've got... Yeah, they're the big guys. <laughs> I didn't, yeah, exactly. You know, and I didn't, and I didn't, I was just this guy that's trying to do my thing, you know? and and. But they, you know, everyone there was amazing. Like the, the, all the speakers were amazing, supportive, and and all the rest of it. And I thought, wow. And the, you know, it was a big lesson for me again, just re kept reinforcing that thing, you know, which is so important. And then trying to think. So like from there, I kept getting more curious. So he's teaching me about fear. And one of the biggest fears I have was um, about losing. Uh, self-control I guess a little bit you know and you, you want to be in control of everything yeah. and then um, a friend of mine mentioned ayahuasca which was about probably about three years ago and I never heard of it at the time and he, uh, in a nutshell it's uh, ayahuasca is a probably the most powerful psychedelic in the world I'm so and, excited to hear about this by the way okay yeah. <laughs> so so, so uh, let me think. Yeah, so it's basically a ritual that's been practiced um, mainly in South America for thousands and thousands of years through tribal rituals, right through the generations, and they combine two um, vines, two plants together from the Amazon, and then they, they make a brew, they create this ritual, and you, you drink the brew, and essentially you, you go on a inner journey for anywhere up to five to seven hours. And when I first heard of it, it absolutely terrified me. Yes. Terrified me. <laughs> and I'm like, there's no way in the world I'm doing that. No way. I don't need that at the same. But they were, again, the inner voice was saying different. Right. So the challenges were getting bigger for me now. And I thought, oh, my God. And it was my best mate who lives in England was saying guy you know because uh, there were three of us I put it in perspective there's three of us we're like brothers we travel together we've done everything you know you got one person that's really extreme extrovert he uh, he loves acting and all sorts then there's kind of me in the middle with my personality and then our, our other mate at the other end who's a bit introverted and that and he, he, you know he was like look it could help him get out of the shell we should do it you're coming to the UK let's make it happen and I kind of reluctantly committed and then it was like a nine month period of me saying I, I'm going to do this, and then being absolutely terrified, and yeah. I guess researching and reading and doing everything I could possible. And the more I actually researched it, the more it scared me. And I'm thinking, wow, because you hear all sorts of stories like people purge, vomit, diarrhea, uh, you know, have these out of body experiences or whatever. You know, it's it was there, and and then it was just like I almost felt it was like my death sentence coming up, and and I was just trying. To, <laughs> 
and it was just what I was making of it though you know and yeah and sorry I'll just stop you there for a second what was it what was it that terrified you so much was it that lack of control that you thought you were gonna have or look definitely definitely I like I'd gone through my whole life I never touched any kind of recreational drugs I had a really bad incident when I was 15 years old with uh, mushrooms in Wales. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I was doing. I was hanging out with like 20 year old kids. You know, you're playing in the forestry and he said, take that. And, I, and, and it was a ball of magic mushrooms and it just absolutely terrified me at the time. I lost control. I didn't know what was going on, didn't know what I had took. And it was horrendous. And I hid, I hid in an abandoned house in the village in a cellar till it wore off. And it was just, oh my God, it was just awful. And and that, that, but what it did do is, uh, you know, I, anything recreational or drugs or party scene, like, pff, didn't touch any of it. And that was for the rest of the, this point today. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was almost stepping back into that fear, uh, which turned out to be a very healing thing as well. So, so with ayahuasca as well, there's a whole ritual um, behind it in the sense that, you know, I was told that I, I really need to... Um, kind of sort of remove negativity from my life if there's any kind of ill relationships or people try and just heal them or remove yourself from them you know try and start stop reading the media so much stop don't watch tv just kind of unplug which is what we should be doing anyway and we don't do it enough because you're so dialed in and then and then there's a there's a whole point where they want you to be a vegan for a week as well so I kind of looked at it like a one-month strategy and I slowly started stripping these things out and I started to realize how actually attached to things I really was mm. even though I kind of told myself I wasn't you know I, you know I'm good and, and all this and and so I, I was I was pulling all these things out and doing it and respecting the way you're supposed to do it because I think it's kind of become hip almost on the underground internet and it's kind of loses its essence you know oh yeah let's go let's go for a weekend drink ayahuasca and resolve my problems where it's not really like that at all if done in the right context and i think that's more the silver bullet thing again you know so so i really treated it with the respect it's deserved and then i remember on the day turning up just thinking i can't do this i'm not going to do it like my whole body was just frozen <laughs> and and you know if it wasn't for the support of the group I did it with my best mates being there I, I wouldn't have gone through and um, and the shaman at the time put me at ease you know he, he was wonderful actually and because I'm like hey dude this is not right for me and he's like you know just he, he said he said something along the lines of just look at it you're getting on the on a boat you're leaving shore it might get really rough but it'll always return you you know and just Put your trust into the process and don't fight it. If you don't fight, remain open and trust the process. You'll be fine. You know, it's when that resistance comes in. So it's I always I always use that now as an analogy to life. The moment I start to resist things and and think, oh, you know, maybe I need to explore that more and look at it. And why am I resisting it? What what attachments to it and that. So so anyway, so we go into the the ceremony. I drink this stuff and uh, got and. It, yeah, it just tastes disgusting, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And and within, and I remember just laying there, just all right. I've drank it; it's going to kick in. Let's okay. Just just trust. And I, I tell you what, Jordy, I put so much trust 
an openness into that night. You cannot believe it. Like I just, I remember laying there, don't clench my fist, lay my palm open, and I close my eyes and I'm like, I, I, I really trust you, so don't prove me wrong. Yeah. You know, and and I just stayed open and I didn't fight one thing the whole night, and that was the key. Like I just let go, completely let go, and it took me on this journey that. I tried to put into words, like if people want to um, experience that, they can go back to the, the website, 180 Nutrition, and uh, just type in ayahuasca, and where I've documented kind of over a two-week period. But um, yeah, it, it was just profound. And can, you, um, can you just set the scene for us a little bit? Because I'm imagining a tent in the middle of the jungle, people lying around on the floor. Right, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I was in a cot. So there was a cottage in the middle of nowhere in England, in the countryside. And think of a big marquee outside that uh, was built for a rainy day, right? So this huge tent. And in there, they had heaters all around. And you walked into this tent, and there were just mats on the floor in the shape of a circle with a pillow and a bucket. And a bucket. <laughs> And I remember thinking, oh my God, there's a bucket there. It really does happen, you know? And then there, were, there was the shaman. There was the, the assistant to the shaman. And there was about five or six helpers as well, all volunteering. And you, you go in, you have to sort of set your intention to what outcome you wanted for, for what the reasons why you're going in. You know, and if, if you hadn't set your intention or anything, you shouldn't even be there because you probably haven't taken it you know, with the respect it deserves. Yeah. And then, you know, you they call your name up one at a time. They, 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 there's a ritual before as well with tobacco, which they cleanse your body with, which is all part of the ceremony. And then you go in and you wait till your name get called up. And I think I was the last person to be called up as well. So I had to sit there. There were 22 of us uh, all waiting, you know, to, to go. And then once your name comes up, you, you go up. And I, I just didn't hesitate and just, just drank it. You come back. And then you lay down, and I had an eye mask because they want you to go deep within, and and then they um, start the ceremony. So so the, the they'll start playing the instruments. Things will start coming to happen. They'll they'll come and almost I don't know brush smoke over you. <laughs> There's all sorts of things going on, and you just you know all I was then focusing on is just making it through. You know I I, I you know I wasn't focusing on the result at all. <laughs> You know, and um, that was probably it. And then after the ceremony, I remember we drank, I think I physically drank at about 7.30 p.m. And when I kind of finally came around and got up and they, they create like a vegan soup in the kitchen, a hot soup and stuff like that, you could go. I remember grabbing that bowl, sitting by the campfire and it was like 2.30 in the morning. And I was like, wow. And it felt like half an hour. Yeah, you know, wow. Just, gone gone yeah so um yeah it, it was interesting so that was kind of my first kind of oh, experience on anything like that and the th what it taught me was a being open is is key i think to anything but also um I don't know. I always kind of read self development books. I'd gone through a huge period of listening to loads of Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and, and obviously Tony Robbins and stuff. And, and it all made sense, right? Mm. But that was it. It makes perfect sense. You know, and there was always like this hunch or a feeling. 
And then all of a sudden you do this and you go and you, you come out and you go, holy shit, now I get it, right. Now I know what you're on about. Where prior to that, it was, it's like, it's like anything, the, the biggest teacher is the direct experience of something. There's no doubt about it. You know, you, you have to feel it through your own body, experience it to then conceptualize it, to then understand it and sort of digest it into your own cellular level and then move forward in life. So, so you can read all the books you want. You can do anything like that. But if you don't act upon the very things to then start to work out and understand it, you, you don't progress, you know. And, and I think fear, a lot about how we think about ourselves, kind of holds that back. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So what what exactly is the science, I guess, behind ayahuasca? Like what is happening in your brain? Right. Yeah, fair yeah, that's a great really great point. So so essentially you got the endocrine system, right? So it travels, you know, from the base all the way up through to the the top of the skull, essentially, into the brain anyway. And in in the center of your skull you got you got what's called the pineal gland. Now the pineal gland produces your hormones. I think it produces either five or seven, I can't remember. So it's, I think melatonin, serotonin, and so forth, right? Yeah. Then there's a hormone called dimethyltryptamine, DMT. Now, DMT is actually in, in all living things, plants and everything. But we have enzymes in the body that inhibit DMT from ever taking effect. And they say we produce dimethyltryptamine, DMT, mainly at birth and death. Right. So what ayahuasca is actually doing is in allowing the dimethyltryptamine to take place and activate the pineal gland, which they say then is the seat of the soul. Okay. So that's in a nutshell what you are doing. Now you've got scientists and people coming out saying, well, what's actually, we've got the quantum field. So you, you, I'm sure, you know, you've heard of quantum physics yeah. and there's a, that connects everything and everyone to us. And what you're doing when you um, activate dimethyltryptamine, which activates the pineal gland, which is like sending a signal out to the quantum field, you're then tuning in. And then you have then you have an energetic experience, not a bodily experience. So that is in a nutshell what happens. Now, there are many, many people that drank ayahuasca that don't have these experiences. You know, I think at the time I just prepared well, I remained very open, I was very non-outcome orientated, I just wanted to make it through. And I think that's why at that night I had such a profound experience where if you, if you and it kind of seems like a paradox, but if you go in there just to get a fix or a hit, or I don't know, like to, to solve your problems for you, it doesn't, it, it almost, it just, re, re, it reveals what's going on. Like a good analogy is like, you know, you got a rock and in the middle, is a diamond and what you're doing is you're kind of taking off the surface to show you what's already in you underneath yeah. you know? and that's what um yeah wow that's what... and and i mean i'm sure this is all in the blog post and i'll put links to it in the show notes but it, does it have i mean aside from the experience that you're having at the time and the days after it is there yeah. a long-lasting effect to going oh, through this experience I, yeah absolutely like for weeks you know, I could have just hugged every human being <laughs> I met. Like, you know, you're, you're so open and, and you're, you're much more tuned in to other people's emotions. Like, you know, if somebody's sad, you really feel their sadness. If somebody's elated, you feel the elation, you know, and, and uh, that definitely happens. And, you, you know, it's, always, it's like you're going on a, a, a spiritual cleanse, I guess. 
you know so so you can look at it if you look at it from a nutritionist perspective it's like going on a bit of a detox right providing you don't don't resist and then but from you know it gets cluttered you know we we, we can we continue to live life we can we have habits we have beliefs we have things that go on and you know they can amount and build up again so it's 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 almost like a a stepping stone as part of the journey i look at it yeah. you know it just reveals a, a different part of you and and it's certainly not for everyone like you know it, i think if anyone's listening to this that it interests them like do your research you know really give it the attention it deserves you know it's not it's not it's not something you should ever take lightly no no, no way <laughs> so, <laughs> so um i mean walking away from that and you know sort of going through what you went through and then I guess you want to kind of hold on to that feeling for as long as you can. So were there things that you started to implement into your life in order yeah. to, you know, continue that surrender and continue not to have that resistance? Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, so yeah, I probably went through about a year just going, holy shit, you know, <laughs> what, yeah. It's it's really hard to put. Yeah. Anyway, so so I kind of did that, and so I've been kind of you know the blanket's been unveiled slightly. I kind of realized there's got to be more to this or whatever. But um, how how can I implement this on a much more practical level basis? And you know, and everyone say meditation, right? And you know, meditating to me is just, it was just like you gotta be. You know, I it's just hard hard work you know you sit there your mind starts chatting it's like be mindful be quiet just you know this is bullshit you know who wants to do this and and it was frustrating the hell and 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 i remember this, uh, chatting to um uh, john gabriel i don't know if you're aware of john yeah. gabriel so i remember having lunch dinner with him one night and you know he loves meditation and for anyone that's not familiar with john like he lost over 100 kilos uh in in weight and he puts it down to meditation basically right so he is he is the most passionate guy you can speak to about this and um and he's like guy just do two minutes a day like don't worry about it just sit there in silence and if you want you can uh, picture picture your stomach picture your navel and picture a whirlpool of light visualizing around if you lose your thoughts don't worry about it like just just do that mm -hmm. and then if you can get to five minutes amazing well done but just do the habit and to me that kind of made sense so I started doing these things and and I just kept doing it you know and then I thought right well it just became part of my day I really didn't give it any other thought but it wasn't really taking me anywhere either and then and then that my world was introduced to Dr. Joe Dispenza now this guy is as far as I'm concerned probably had the biggest influence on me in the last kind of year without a doubt and you know just to put him on perspective we had him on the podcast last year and I wasn't I, I knew a bit of his work I had a bit of his book was sitting there on the bookshelves that I never read you know and I kind of he'd, he'd written a book called Breaking the Habit of Being Self so he's all about neuroplasticity and changing the way you think so we're not we're, we're just a program of our past and you can actually rewire your brain to be a program of your future and how you want to design it by life and that and and we had him on the podcast and, and I got him to share a story with us because I'd never heard it in any of his other interviews. And he just blew me away. And I thought, oh my God, what he was saying was just incredible. And he was having a workshop in Melbourne. 
literally about two weeks after the podcast. So, so I fly down there and, and I go to the, um, the workshop for two days. And every single thing he did mid-sets, and he put meditation into a perspective um, that I had never looked upon it before, you know? And one of the biggest things I do now, and it's interesting because I saw you had a guest on talking about energy centers and stuff, yeah. is that I do a meditation most mornings now. Um, and, it, you know, I've, but you've got to remember, right, I've, I've had to build up to this. This isn't like, oh, I'm going to just start tomorrow because it's a bloody 45-minute meditation plus breathwork before it. And, you know, an hour can be gone, so i got to get up really early to do this. And, again, though, it's almost like the curiosity drove me and not to be um, uh, outcome-driven. And it's so hard to do that sometimes. But, in essential, he's got, he's got quite a lot of different meditations, but he's one called uh, Blessings of the Energy Centers which is mainly the main center points running up the endocrine system. So some people call them chakras, he calls them energy centers, and so forth. Now, to put a little bit of science behind it, because that's what he does, is if you think about the human body for a second, so you've got us, right? So we've got our flesh, we've got everything. And then within our body, you've got um, systems, digestive, circuitry, respiratory, and so forth. And what makes up them systems is uh, tissue, you know? And then what makes up the tissue? So if you kept magnifying down, you could then got cells. You know, what makes up cells, you know? Chemicals. And you go into chemicals and you got uh, molecules and then atoms. So if you keep drilling down, drilling down, drilling down, well, what quantum physics is now saying, if you drill all the way down, then you just got space. Mm. And within that space, like 99.99% is space is energy, right? And then within that energy can either be coherent or incoherent energy. So a really good analogy is think of a hundred people in a room and they all, they're all holding a drum and they're all beating it and they're all out of tune and it's creating incoherent energy, right? But if you got a really big drummer like you know, this huge drum sat, sat on stage and started beating this drum to a certain beat. Everyone else will slowly start beating to the, mm. the drum, right? Now, all our, the way we live our life from environment to the foods we eat, to everything we do affects the coherence of our energy. And what the meditation is doing is me becoming that big drummer, right? and then training my little drummers <laughs> to become coherent. Yeah. So you have these epicenters of energy all the way up. So you got one in the sexual organs, the base chakra. You got one in the gut, just below the navel. You then got on the adrenals by the kidneys, the solar plexus. Then you got the heart. Then you got the thyroid at the throat. Yeah. Then you got the pineal and the pituitary. So there's your seven. So then I go into meditation and I focus and, it, and it's guided. So you're walking through on making this energy more coherent because the more coherent energy you have, the better you're going to feel on a daily basis. The more energy you're going to have when you wake up in the morning, the more you can do, the more intuitive you're going to start to become, the more just in, in love with life you are, really. That's the way I'm starting to look at it. So these things needed to become and I needed to see the science behind it to, to understand it because 
otherwise it's, it's fluff and bubbles as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. It could be really woo-woo and, and it, it needs to be reined in and actually compartmentalized into a way that understand that is logical and applicable. Yeah, which actually brings me to the next thing I wanted to talk to you about, Guy. It's, you know, mindfulness has become very trendy, which is fantastic, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's sort of built around this concept, as we were talking before, of slowing down and surrendering. And for women, they find it quite easy. It's all about, you know, embracing their inner goddess and exerting their femininity and dropping into yeah. their vulnerability. But, you know, the masculine expression of mindfulness can be quite confusing, I think. Oh, massively. Yeah, Massive. because it's all about finding solutions and what's the logic and the rationale and fixing and, you know. So what do you think the masculine expression of mindfulness looks like? I just, just being open to possibilities, I think. Uh, that's, you know, men, we have a, you know, we have a much bigger ego normally, you know, everything that we have to feel physically strong and stuff. And look, I, I love doing masculine things. Like I love going to the gym, throwing weights around, beating my chest. Like I think that's really healthy thing to do for a guy, <laughs> you know. But at the, at the same sense, what my journey has taught me so far is to not to be quite so judgmental or worry about what other people are thinking to prove my worth to the world. Um, I remember listening to Deepak Chopra a long time ago, and he talked about how we can we, we shape our own identity through the the um, the job we have, what defines us, the the girlfriend we have, the 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 money we are earning, so we can fit into this society that is then defining my identity. So I am then now important to the world, kind of thing. And us males really kind of. I don't know, especially when there's other males around and it's like, you know, you, you kind of get caught up and driven in that. And But once you have all that stripped away from you and then you have to rebuild upon that, you then start to look at the world in a different way. That's, I guess, the only way I can explain it. And I think I was very fortunate as well because I worked in the fitness industry for a long time at the UTS. I was around hundreds of people every single day. I was doing consultations. I was taking classes of up to 30 people two, three times a day as well. And the one thing it taught me was to be a really good listener as well. And and just pay attention and give people your time. And collectively that kind of has come in and shaped it. Like I, I think I think all men need to have the masculinity, but there needs to be a, a feminine energy at some level there as well. I mean you can you know, listen to Tony Robbins, he'll talk about this for hours and that. But, and then it's just about, I guess, honoring both parties in some way. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, which, which, I mean, works in the reverse as well. You know, women embracing their masculinity and all yeah. the rest of it, finding that balance. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, I, I will, I'll, yeah. But, you know, the more I explore, the more I kind of just... I don't even, I just, just go on autopilot with these sort of things, you know. Um, like, I'll mention as well that I got involved in a um, blind study last, when was it, last September, I think, or something like that. So I went to Cabo, Mexico for five days at Joe Dispenza's workshop, where we were all part of a blind study, and they brought all these different scientists in, and to measure 
the mysticism almost of what goes on behind it with science. Yeah, I guess if any man is listening to this, you know, the, the, the biggest tip I can give them is just, just, you know, just try and be a bit more open. Don't let the ego get in the way and, and life will open up to you in, in ways that you never thought possible. Yeah. 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 And I mean, yeah. that's, you know, that's universal, that, that tip. That's for everybody, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But t- just touching on that point with the, the, um, the Mexico blind study. So we, we had to, we meditated for five days on and off, right? Mm. Um, I think the last meditation or one of them was up to four hours. I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh but you got, you're constantly guided and talked through. And then things are measured. So I'm, I'm having, like, I, I did a brain scan before the meditation, before the workshop and after the workshop and within four days the the differences from the neurofeedback was incredible like an, I created a whole brain state and would drop into a and they can measure if the, the the healing what's going on they can measure if the anxiety is left if the depression's gone or all from the energetic fields of your brain so they, they're actually now putting science to this and, and can show you the results of, of actually what's going on you know I had a I had a, a Kundalini experience which I don't know would people I'm sure your listeners would be yeah familiar. they'd be familiar but why don't you give us a bit of a rundown yeah so so um basically after focusing on these energy centers a lot so you, you create more coherence up and down the spine you got what's called a cerebral fluid that that sits in the um in the spinal cord that I pretty much takes 12 hours to to do a full cycle um, that uh, allows information to travel, but you can you can fast track energy through that. So it's like a conductor from the base of the spine into the the brain, which then acts with the pineal gland, just like I did in ayahuasca, in a nutshell. And because it's collectively five hundred people all doing the same thing, you you actually embodying the energy of the room, not just within yourself. So it allows you to have uh, more. Um, physical experiences so by practicing a breath work it's almost like just like pulling fluid up through a straw with your breath from the base chakra and then holding it at the top of the head you can start to get this energy moving and then in time you can get a full kundalini release which then is literally like a, a, a lightning bolt going through your spine instantly into your head and then <clears throat> you actually start to become more energy than matter. And, you know, if somebody told me that two years ago, I'd be, I'd be like really stretching my beliefs and imagination. Yeah. But, <laughs> I can really, you know, but when you, when you feel it and experience it, it's like, whoa, this, this actually happens. And, and again, that was profound and then made the meditations even more profound. Yeah. And, and it's very healing as well. You know, I think we store a lot of emotions within the body and the cells and we don't know they're there. And we've got a, you know, there's many ways to unravel it, including um, uh, what we do on a daily basis as well. Because, you know, for me, nutrition is just as as essential as meditation. And there's no one more important role than the other. Or movement, movement daily. You know, they all contribute into creating a a more, I guess, healthier healthier body and, and lifestyle. Yeah. So um, on that idea of health and the holistic approach, you've interviewed countless health professionals on the podcast. 
What do you think some of the best health advice you've come across is? Wow, my God, we could do another podcast on that. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I think yeah, that you know that's I've been thinking about that and the outside of the podcast, I would say happiness comes trumps everything, right? You know, if you're happy within yourself, that that's huge. Like if I look back, as if I remained a plumber, and I did everything else, I, it just wouldn't happen. I don't think my health would be like it is today. Like I feel healthier now than I did at 20. You know, there's no doubt about it. So I think happiness trumps everything. But more from a a nutritional uh, kind of daily activity thing. I look every single person we've had on you talk about inflammation. Yeah. You know. And and just to give people a really quick rundown on inflammation, it comes in two forms, chronic and, and low-grade. And low-grade inflammation is the one that you've got to be wary of because, you know, you can have a trauma, you can have something, you twist your ankle, and you've got all your antibodies going there, everything's going on, and that's inflammation, and we need it. We need inflammation because it helps repair the body. But then you've got low-grade inflammation, which is just like like chipping away, like a dripping tap every single day, everything, until you break, until your immune system drops down and you start to break. So then you start to look at, well, okay, if it's all about the immune system and inflammation, then what is going to help avoid inflammation or at least reduce it, you know, which is hugely along um, sleep. Like sleep is critical is the thing that keeps coming up. If you're not getting good night's sleep, you're going to be contributing to inflammation and then inflammation is going to contribute into the body breaking down. Um, then you've got the foods you eat. You know, boy, that's a huge, huge topic again, nutritionally as well. Uh, so the other thing that keeps coming up is gut health mm. massively. So, you know, I'd encourage everyone to at least do a stool test at least once. Yeah. Have a look what's going on because if you've got dysbiosis, which is essentially leaky gut, the stool testing will, will let you know what could be causing it. And if you've got leaky gut, then you're going to be creating inf uh, low-grade inflammation constantly. So, you know, by simply removing inflammatory foods, because you might be, you know, there's foods that, that you just might not agree with you, you know? And so you can start removing them things. And just doing them little things alone can have a huge impact on your health long-term. Like, it's, inc it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't need to be hard either. You know, and then, uh, but then you, of course, you know, you look at the work of Joe Dispenza, then you look at, the, we, we just had Dr. Bruce Lipton on recently, you know, that kind of work is where, where I guess I'm at now at that. So I'm kind of trying to bring that out as well, because I think energetic work is definitely a way of the future as well along with that. Absolutely. Uh, and I, I mean, the thing that's coming up a lot lately in the interviews that I'm doing is that stress is a major cause of inflammation in the body. It's huge. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of that underlying one that everybody has in their lives and half of us aren't respecting or treating. Yeah, it's the most underplayed um, component, I think, of health. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, how do we alleviate stress, you know? A lot of it can be self-inflicted stress in just the way we interpret the world. That's the... That's the problem as well, you know. So then you go down this rabbit hole of how we perceive the world, well, what shapes our perceptions, is our beliefs, and then where do we get our beliefs from? <laughs> how do you change your core beliefs? You know, it's it's it really is a rabbit hole. Um, but you know, great stress reduction strategies as well is movement. Like I think people don't move enough on a daily basis. Like I, I, I you know, this is coming from a fitness trainer. I don't think going to the gym three times a week cuts it. I think you need to move daily you don't have to go and smash yourself in the gym to you know get 
get the desired look or whatever you just need to be smart about it you know these days i just look for the minimum effective dose to keep me healthy and my body in shape and and that's it and then i'm happy with that you know um then you can look at um you know you only have to look at social media what we're doing on a daily basis we're constantly plugged in you know do do we uh, like how often do we ever unplug really you know it's it's very difficult with the amount of uh, information coming at us now you know um so you know this little rituals i always do uh, you know i try and stay away from social media in the evening if i can checking emails all that stuff you know can then can trigger thoughts can then trigger oh, and you can imagine what my inbox is like as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know i try and get in nature daily you know and if you're working in the cbd i'd be i'd be barefoot on the grass every day yeah. you know during my lunch break and that all these things just just help massively but yeah you, and it's it's yeah. funny isn't it because you know people make excuses and i don't have time for this and i'm too busy for that and i mean the end result really is that if you can incorporate these tiny little things into every day then that busy gets easier and that stress is relieved and It'll, you know, it all makes a difference. 100% massively. Like, I always look at things as a spectrum, you know. And, and, you know, you can look at stuff and it'll just overwhelm you. You go, my God, what the hell? But just get in the habit of trying to... If you, if you act upon the act of trying to change, then change will come, no matter how small. And then if you just keep applying them small changes, the, 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 the long-term stuff will come. But you, you've, you've got to just apply the little things like life is made up of small choices daily you know and like you say if you just do tiny little things you know even if you you can't get all your meals right you know just start with one that's what we always say you know just just remove something inflammatory and actually just try and um have something more nutrient dense like you know biasly i'd say 180 you know have a smoothie with avocado some berries some spinach cucumber some things that you recognize that can go in like that's a simple fix yeah. that can do it. and then if you're only doing the one thing but if you apply that to all different things like you know like you say you can move daily right you can park a little bit further from work you could try and walk into work and just just create these new habits and listen to podcasts yes. podcasts are amazing listen to podcasts <laughs> like oh like they've changed my life yeah, literally in, you know and yeah it's incredible oh you know? the information you can absorb and educate yourself on a daily basis it's amazing all before you start the day 100 percent. Yeah. you know you set yourself up in the right way and and then yeah good things follow yeah. i think so mm. what's um what's next on the cards for you and 180 yeah that's a really good question um i'm kind of wrapped up in the, the usa at the moment mm. we've got we've got that happening as we speak you know, um, the other my other burning desire is to actually put a book out there into the world. So I'm going to start looking into that um, over the next coming months. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think I've learned so much information along with Stu uh, through ex direct experience and podcasting. It's like, how can we create a message into something practical that can really help people in which areas to start to look at slowly moving forward? You know, so they're probably the two biggest projects um, I'll be working on this year. Yeah. Fantastic. And if yeah. people want to find out more information about you, where can they find you? Yeah, just come back to 180nutrition.com.au and it's, it's yeah, it's like Pandora's box over there. Just so it's <laughs> 
there'll be a lot to find yeah ah, yeah for sure oh fantastic well thank you so much for sharing everything with us today it's been awesome Jordi, it was a i'm just privileged to be invited on mate and you oh, oh and you're my first you're my first male guest <laughs> Congratulations! I feel like I should I'm, send you a trophy. <laughs> exactly, I'm, I'm honoured. Well, hopefully, um, hopefully, I, I uh, served your listeners and uh, got them thinking a little bit anyway. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Continue doing great things, mate, because you're putting great content out into the world and and it's changing people's lives and and it's yeah it's fantastic well done oh thank you that's very sweet you too if you liked this week's episode head on over to the blog for all the show notes theinspiredtable.com.au and if you're looking for a little bit of inspiration before next week's episode come and find me on instagram at the inspired table or over on facebook facebook.com forward slash the inspired table until next week's episode i'm jordana levine wishing you an inspirational week 